I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show. Brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, editor of the Investors Chronicle, and I'm pleased to be able to say, after yesterday's fire here at the Financial Times building, that I'm in a smoke-free studio with my colleague from FT Money, Rob Budden. Together, provided the fire alarm doesn't go off again, we'll be bringing you the financial lowdown in downloadable form. So, Rob, what slightly charred reports have we managed to hose down for today's programme? Well, with just a week to go until the deadline for declaring offshore tax liabilities, how can you avoid a penalty? And after last week's tumbling bond prices and surging yields, is now the time to buy? And finally, will Zopa do for savings and loans what eBay has done for shopping? And if you've got a subject that you'd like us to tackle in future programmes, do email your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. But first, this week's money news. Yeah, well, this week we've had yet another 100% mortgage, and it's been launched by a heavyweight, Abbey, who are a big mortgage lender, And it's just yet another move by mortgage lenders to bring out new mortgages to help people get onto the property ladder. I I can see that 100% mortgage is going to to help a number of people reach the asking price for property. But what's the downside in terms of the interest rate? There there is quite a significant downside in the interest rate. It'll vary. Obviously, the usual adage applies. You should shop around. But typically, you'll be paying maybe half a percentage point more in borrowing costs on a 100% mortgage than you would on a 95% loan, one where you had a 5% deposit. That's a lot on the cost of an overall property. I can see that would put the costs up. I mean, are, are there any ways around that? So could you use other forms of borrowing to get a deposit? Well, yeah, the first thing is, you know, if at all possible, scrabble around, look down the back of the sofa, beg parents and aunts and uncles and try and get that 5% deposit. But also you might want to consider possibly in some cases taking out a personal loan to cover the 5% deposit. Obviously, that'll be more expensive than the mortgage, but it will mean that the remaining mortgage at 95% of the value of the property on the overall price will be lower, and and overall your cost could be significantly lower. So if your lender will let you do that, you should certainly at least consider that if you can't get money in any other way. That sounds like a good way round it, but I imagine as property prices continue their sort of upward spiral, 100% may soon become 105, 110, and some people are already offering over 100%. Yeah, Northern Rock as a loan, which for some people you can get as high as 125%. It sort of works on the basis of a standard mortgage loan with a personal loan and certainly it allows people to borrow over 100% of the price of the property. 
I suppose, you know, what, what does this all say? At, at some point, ultimately, lenders are going to have to stop getting more and more flexible in what they loan. And, you know, will that then be what causes the property market prices to slow? But it seems they're, they're not stopping yet. And remember, you can get all the latest money news at www.ft.com forward slash money. Still to come in the programme, is now the time to buy into bonds or bond funds? And can you get a better savings and borrowing rate by making friends online? But first, though, tax on offshore investments. Earlier this year, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs set a deadline of the 22nd of June for taxpayers to disclose their offshore tax liabilities. Any tax due plus a 10% penalty must be paid by November. And those who don't comply will face an investigation and a penalty that could range from 30% to 100% of the overdue tax. So with just a week to go to that first deadline, what should you do and what can you do? Elaine Moore went to ask Stephen Cam of PricewaterhouseCoopers to explain this tax amnesty. So Stephen, the deadline for the revenues tax amnesty is Friday the 22nd of June. Can you explain what the amnesty is for? The amnesty is for people who have offshore bank accounts and who've never told the revenue about those accounts. So have interest that needs to be taxed and hasn't been, or who have put money into accounts offshore and the money that's gone into those accounts should have been taxed and hasn't been. Those people have an opportunity before the 22nd to come forward, tell the revenue of their mistake, calculate the tax, calculate the interest and a 10% penalty and to pay all those duties by the 26th of November. So what happens if you ignore the amnesty? If you ignore the amnesty, you can. there are two things that might happen. Firstly, certainly you'll face higher penalties. What's on offer here is a 10% penalty, guaranteed. If you don't take this opportunity, the Revenue have said that penalties will be no less than 30%, and the reality is penalties will be nearer 50 to 60%. Secondly, you run a much higher risk of being prosecuted, and certainly public figures, celebrities, uh, and people who've got large amounts offshore run a really high risk of being prosecuted if they don't come forward now. And is the amnesty only for those with offshore accounts? It would be discriminatory of the revenue to restrict it simply to holders of offshore accounts. So the revenue have made it plain that anyone with a tax problem can come forward before the 22nd of June and they will get the same treatment, a 10% penalty. They do have to fit within the same timescales and critically have to pay any tax, interest and penalties that arise from those onshore problems by the 26th of November. And how many evaders do the Revenue and Customs expect to come forward before next Friday? The Revenue have never m come out publicly and stated a number, but informed speculation has been that the Revenue have expected to recover at least a billion pounds from this exercise. Now, currently the Revenue have about 7,000 people who have come forward. Their expectation is that that's only 20% of the likely end result. And so we might see 30 to 35,000 people ultimately coming forward. If the liability is on average £30,000 each, that gets the revenue close to their billion pounds target. Stephen Cam of Price Waterhouse Coopers there. And for more on tax planning, visit www.ft.com forward slash money. Coming up, would you lend money to strangers on the internet if you could get a better interest rate? But before that, we have a look at bonds. Now, compared with equities, bonds are sometimes regarded by private investors as these dull plodders, providing a steady income stream but not that much excitement. 
Then, last week, everything changed. Inflation scares sent bond prices plummeting and bond yields rising to new five-year highs. So is this now a buying opportunity? Well, Dan Thomas of FT Money went to ask Thea Zemek of fund management group Newstar. So, Theo, what effect has um, fears on inflation rates had on the bond market? Well, I think the market, both in the US and the UK, has been avoiding looking at inflation. I think it's absolutely extraordinary. If you'd watched the evolution of the inflation figures in the UK, you would have seen red flashing warning lights some time ago, at least a year ago, and you'd have had the ability to prepare yourself. But I think a lot of people have been in denial, particularly about hedge funds raising the cost of the oil price, etc. And they've thought that there was going to be some nice statistical correction that would get us out of this trouble. And in fact, there are inflationary pressures in the economy and it's something that we should all be wary of. What effects has this had on bond prices? Well, the interesting thing about bonds is it depends on what sort of bond you're buying. If you look at government bonds, it depends on the maturity. If you bought short-dated treasury bills or something, it's not having a huge effect on the price movements. But my colleagues and I noticed that if you'd actually been buying 30-year government bonds, which is what these pension funds are doing, you would have had 14 points of capital loss since last November. So it really is quite a dramatic move for pension funds and for life companies, possibly not so much for the ordinary everyday investor, but really it's taking quite a toll on, uh, on the professionals. So what effect has this actually practically had on the funds out there who are investing into bonds and which people are, have invested themselves into? I'm very pleased to say to loyal investors and people who are very concerned, uh, my general feeling is that in the retail market, i.e. the unit trusts and the like, most of the professional investors have seen this coming for quite some while and have been very defensive. And by that I mean my colleagues and I have been running short maturity funds, so taking bonds that have very short lives and so are not so volatile in price, cash-related instruments, and instruments that take a degree of credit exposure, which paradoxically seem to have done really quite well. And what do investors do now? Do you recommend they buy or sell or or stand firm? Okay, well, I think if you're already a unit holder in an investment grade or sub-investment grade fund, classic sort of corporate bond fund or high-yield corporate bond fund, I think you just shut your eyes and don't worry about it. You've seen probably the worst, and it's something that your fund manager will have been writing to you about over the last five or six months. I mean, every month I write a note saying it's been a a bit of a grim market, but we've held the price, etc., Is it time to get in yet and buy? I think it's possibly still a bit early days um, before you go out and you buy the really aggressive stuff. I think there's very good value in the five to ten year area and in some of the more conventional bonds and better quality bonds. I think that that is a very nice thing to be seeing because that's what most investors really want. But I think before you want to go out there and aggressively buy into the bond market, you want to see yields a little bit higher than the five and a half level that they're at in the seven to ten year area now. I have a rule of thumb, and that is that I like to look at um, inflation rate, and I always look at the RPI or the RPIX because that's the historical one, and I know the government is looking at something that is actually lower. But RPIX and RPI are hovering just below the 3% level right now, and I like to see a minimum 3% cushion on top of that. So I'm looking, you know, what I'd really like to see, you know, what would really get me excited is something approaching 6%. We're not there yet. That was Thea Zemek of Newstar. And to find out more about bond prices and yields, visit www.investorschronicle.co.uk. And finally today, saving and borrowing on the internet. Banks have been offering online accounts for many years now, but last year a new online company decided to cut out the middleman. 
Zopa, as it's known, allows users to lend money directly to other users and receive interest on the cash they deposit. And it claims that because there's no bank in between, it can offer higher deposit rates and lower loan rates. So will Zopa become the eBay of the banking world? Richard Anderson of Investors Chronicle asks Zopa's co-founder and CEO, James Alexander. James, I think what most people will think of it as is, is an alternative to a bank account or perhaps a bond. And I've seen some people comment that it's, it's kind of a, a totally new asset class. I mean, how do you describe it? I, I think uh, our lenders see Zopa in different ways. To the less sophisticated lender, they see it as a way to take a little bit more risk and get a little bit more return than perhaps they could by leaving their money in an account such as ING Direct. The more sophisticated investors do see Zopa as a different asset class. Uh, so it has different characteristics to other assets um, and it effectively allows them to get a, a, a higher rate of return than they could on cash or near cash products, uh, but without taking uh, the levels of risk typically associated with equities. I think people will understandably be a bit dubious of lending money to actual individual members of the public. So, so what safeguards do you have in place? How can you put their mind at rest? We do all of the same checks and balances that a bank would do, uh, and indeed a few more. And probably the best way that I can answer the question is to say that to date, and we've now been going for two and a quarter years, defaults or non-repayments from borrowers are running at less than 0.2%, uh, which is miles below the expectations that we set to you as a lender. Uh, how do we do that? We do that first by making sure that your money is split across at least 50 borrowers uh, once you lend £500 or more. We work with all of the credit bureaus in the UK, so with Experian, Equifax uh, and Call Credit, we've got our own proprietary scorecard. We provide you with a guarantee against any loss uh, that you might uh, have um, as a consequence of identity theft, and to date there has been none. And uh, there are many, many other features in place uh, to keep safe and secure marketplace. I guess this is the... The main question that people would want answered, I mean, what, what actually uh, are the rates both on the, on the lending and the saving side? Let me start with the lending side. So people can lend anything from £10 up to uh, as much as they like. So there's no limit on, on the maximum that you can lend at Zopa. And the average return that lenders have been getting this year after all Zopa fees and after actual bad debt has been 7%. And that's probably been during a period when you know, the average UK base rate has been probably, what, 5.25%, something like that. Borrowers uh, can borrow anything from £1,000 up to £15,000 or any term up to five years. And they're typically borrowing at about 30% less than the market as a whole. And Zopa tops Best Buy tables. So if you visit uh, moneysupermarket.com or you switch, you'll see that Zopa comes top of the Best Buy tables. So it provides the cheapest loan in the country. It all sounds very simple, but are there any uh, costs and penalties involved, as there are with most high street banks? Uh, I hope we're very upfront and very transparent with all of our costs and penalties. So lenders uh, and borrowers each pay a half percent fee, and that's included in all of the rates that I've, I've talked about before. Borrowers can repay at any point in time with no penalty, uh, so they don't get charged any additional payment for having to repay early. Any other charges are, are sort of fully transparent. So uh, if borrowers are late with payments, then yes, they may incur uh, a penalty charge, but to date we haven't charged one of those, um, and there are no other additional fees for lenders. James Alexander of Zopa there. To find out more about online banking, visit www.ft.com forward slash money. And that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com and we'll be back next week, we hope, providing there's no more fire alarms, with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, from the FT Money Show team and from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.